0: Hello, hello, hello. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to you wherever you may be tuning in to this podcast. You're welcome to the Mind Walkout Gym. I am your host, Dr. Nona Joyce Adaki. I work as a consultant psychiatrist. I'm also a lay preacher and I am a recent author as well you may want to look out for my book titled Embracing Change Painlessly, Maximizing the Mind, Engaging God's Word. So, today we're going to be talking about thoughts, how these progressed beliefs and can cause significant problems in mental health. And we also explore concepts like paranoia, how it comes about, and what we can do using the Word of God to manage these states. So, in one of the podcasts that I had put earlier on, I mentioned how thoughts exist in various levels. It may be worthwhile for you to check out the podcast on CBT. I believe it's CBT1 in the Mind Workout Gym. That will give you um, an idea of what we're going to be talking about today. You know, in mental health, when people experience what we clinicians call psychosis, what happens is There is blurring within the margins of what is real in reality and the experiences that people have. And to them, these experiences are very valid. But unfortunately, they do not have any basis in reality. And that's where the problem lies. As clinicians we tend to do a detailed mental state examination when patients come to us with symptoms and with problems. And particularly the problems you're going to be looking at today are in the area of perceptual abnormalities and abnormalities in the thinking, abnormalities in the thought processes, which we call Delusions. So, for the sake of definitions, I will define a delusion as a rigidly held belief that is contrary to the socio-cultural background of the individual. And these beliefs, often they drive the behavior, they drive the feelings and the emotions The sufferer experiences. Now, I'll give you an example. For example, if somebody has the delusion that they are God, then they will think they are invincible. And that will mean that they will engage in activities that to you and I will be odd and risky because they will put themselves at risk as well as put other people at risk. They may go around talking to people in ways that are socially appropriate. They may go around, you know, trying to even touch or influence things that logically do not make sense. So those are delusional beliefs. Like I said, they usually... Strongly held beliefs, up to 100%. They're out of keeping with the individual's social cultural background. And they are pursued with such ferocity that to the sufferer, it is real. But to you and I, who are listening to them, who are observing them, these beliefs do not have any basis in reality. There is no human being who is God, for example. Okay, all right. So then that again leads me to the other concept that I said we're going to be looking at today, which is paranoia. What is paranoia? Paranoia or persecutory delusions are actually a subtype of, delusional beliefs, the one I just described early. In essence, a delusion is a fixed false belief that is out of keeping with the individual's social cultural background and is rigidly held with such conviction that it affects the individual's feelings, their thoughts and their behavior because they act in alliance, in alliance with those beliefs, okay? So if, for example, a patient tells me, oh, I believe that um, my spouse is trying to kill me, then I would say, all right, so what evidence do you have about this? They could just say, well, I I I just know that, you know, they're trying to kill me. And they say, all right, how did you come to this conclusion? And they may they may eventually reply me and say, well, you see, the other day, as I was sitting down in the sitting room, I suddenly saw her walk into the sitting room with a knife. I said, oh, okay. Couldn't there be any other explanation to this? Could it have been that, you know, she was in the kitchen and she wanted to just tell you something and she came out with a knife? they may say, well, that may be the case, but they have that belief that this spouse wants to kill them. Anyhow, the point is, these are rigidly held beliefs that are fixed, they are false oftentimes, and they're out of keeping with the social cultural background of the individual. And the interesting thing is, because of the intensity with which these beliefs are held they could be so distressing and often they would disrupt the life of this individual you can imagine carrying such thoughts in your mind against your spouse the way you the way you the way you respond to your spouse when they ask just simple mundane questions will be at a different level the tone will be different because the thoughts the core thoughts that are running your responses or your um, um, responses of emotional feelings to this individual will be colored by the beliefs that are held in the mind. I hope you're getting my drift. Okay, so... When a patient comes with such kind of beliefs, like I said, we kind of test them, try to understand where they're coming from, understand where where the origin of these beliefs and what they are actually doing for this individual. Um, there may have been uh, an incident of um you know mistrust in the past in their relationship that could be where this belief, this delusional belief, is anchoring on. But it's important to kind of explore the origin of it. So, there are also multi dimensional nature of delusional beliefs altogether. But I'll just kind of go through them quickly, become mindful of the time. Before we go into that, it's just interesting to know that persecutory beliefs or persecuted thinking is very common. It's very common in the general population. A lot of people have persecutory thoughts and persecutory style of thinking that they kind of make reference to themselves in everyday mundane things. The things you can just brush away and say, well, it doesn't really matter. People who have persecutory thinking would think more in depth about what has happened. Why did it happen? This person looked at me in this way. Why did they look at me in that way? You know, the depth to which, you know, mundane things are interpreted have far much more significance to the individual. And that runs and drives the behavior, drives the way they look at things, the way they see things, the way they feel and the way they respond to people in their environment, particularly their family. So it's important for us to know that paranoid thoughts have always been traditionally um, been viewed as a symptom of very severe mental disorder. The important thing is when there is already, when when people present with symptoms that are b- blurring between reality and their inner experiences. Then they, they begin to border on psychosis. And the hallmark are uh, abnormalities in the way they perceive things, the things they hear, the things they see, the things they feel in their body, the things they taste sometimes, the things they smell. So their senses begin to experience perception that is not presented in the external. Um they could tell you, for example, that they're hearing voices and things like that. So such kind of experiences begin to border on psychosis. And it's a serious mental disorder. And I and the whole essence of this podcast is to make people understand that when 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 loved ones are experiencing such kind of symptoms, you need to seek professional help. And you seek the help quickly. Because like I said, these beliefs and these thoughts or this kind, this style, persecutory style of thinking drives behavior, drives, you know, the way they feel and their emotions. It can be distressing for the individual. It can be distressing for the family. It can be distressing for those people who are close to the individual, work colleagues and what have you. So please, please, when you notice this, seek professional help as soon as possible. So the characteristics of delusions I mean, so we talked about you know abnormalities in the perception so the other abnormality is the abnormalities in the thinking and the core one we're looking at today is delusional beliefs and um and paranoia and persecutory thinking okay so um the important thing is that these thoughts are they're rigidly held they're firmly held they're resistant to any rational or rationalizations that you present to them, they are preoccupying. Oftentimes they so preoccupy the individual's mind that it interferes with their ability to attend to everyday conversations that they engage in. And when it's reaching to stages like this, the condition is getting really bad. And it can be distressing as well, especially when They're very persecutory. They can be distressing. It can interfere with their ability to function socially, their ability to do their work because they can't sustain their attention long enough to to, to engage in meaningful, productive activities. So it is important, very important for loved ones to note this and seek for help sooner rather than later. In my practice, we've seen, you know, a lot of people with things, uh, with with conditions or with presentations like this and symptoms like this, do better with medication over time. Because what tends to happen um, is that when thoughts are not captured at the early stages these thoughts over time begin to run as in a loop called in an automated loop. And as these thoughts persist, they will now begin to change the chemical and the structural architecture of the brain. And that's when Symptoms begin to, and signs begin to emerge. And when this happens, it is serious. And I cannot overemphasize the seriousness of this because these thoughts and these strong beliefs which become rigid, firmly held. They drive behavior. They drive the feelings. They drive the emotions of the individual. It can cause significant distress. And people have, you know, have engaged in behaviours that are out of keeping with their usual selves. So it is important to seek help for people who are experiencing this. So it is important that harm can come to them because sometimes these thoughts could be that, you know, they should harm themselves or they should harm other people. There has been a lot of, you know, press on people with severe mental illness engaged in homicide and significant harm coming to other people. So what I'm saying is very, very important and I don't know how else to emphasize the need for us to seek professional help sooner rather than later. So how is this understood psychologically? It's important to know that, you know, just like I said, that there is a strategy to dealing with these thoughts. Because oftentimes, like I said, there may be pointers in the happenings, in the reality that may be the anchor on which these beliefs are being driven. We need to monitor thoughts, seek for professional help. Oftentimes, when it is very severe, hospital ambition may be the right thing to happen. Where not so severe, you know, interventions like you know psychological intervention can be helpful. And during the psychological intervention, the cultural, the the social cultural background of the individual comes in handy. If the person is a Christian and a believer, the word of God can be helpful as well. But it's important in this particular instance not to underestimate. The risks that are associated with it all. I hope that this has created an awareness of the core features that amount to what we call psychosis as clinicians. Like I said, abnormalities Mm -hmm. in perception as well as abnormalities in the thought processes. At another podcast, I'll be discussing about the development of delusions. For time purposes, we're going to have to cut this short. But it's important for the Christians to always capture their thoughts in the light of Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Philippians chapter 4. And verse 8 is a scripture I will encourage you all to go and meditate upon. If your thoughts do not measure against Philippians 4 8, then do away with them. It is important because we're human beings and what we think about predominantly becomes the shaping of who we are becoming and who we are. I hope that this podcast has been of help. And if you do have any questions, do not hesitate to get in touch with me. Let me know. I like to talk about things. And if you know anyone who is suffering with, you know, some of the things we've talked about today, do seek for professional help sooner rather than later. Do take care of yourself. Like I always say, it's your choice to enjoy life no matter what. Take care and God bless you. See you in a fortnight. Bye-bye. Hello, 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 hello. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you may be logging on to this podcast. You're welcome to the Mind Workout Gym. I am your host Dr. Nona Joyce edecki and I work as a consultant psychiatrist, I'm also a lay preacher, and I'm recently been an author. You may want to have a copy of my book titled Embracing Change Painlessly, Maximizing the Mind, Engaging God's Word. So today we're going to be looking at paranoid and suspicious thoughts and using cognitive behavioral approaches and also how to use the Word of God in the process. As you may well know, or like I said earlier on, I work as a consultant psychiatrist, you know, people come a lot to my clinic with paranoid and suspicious thoughts. While sometimes these may just be everyday occurrences, it may not amount to a mental disorder, but it could be an early precursor. So it's very important. And particularly people of um. um, black ethnic minority where you know a lot of consideration is given to a witchcraft and use of things like that within the society it is very very common so it's interesting to know that paranoid and suspicious thoughts they regularly occur in 10 to 15 percent of the general population and persecutory delusions are frequent symptom of psychosis. Yes, it is frequent symptom of psychosis. And what is psychosis? Psychosis is, you know, a severe mental disorder in which there is significant blurring between the boundaries, between the margins of what is real and what is not real. So the earlier one deals with or manages paranoid and suspicious thoughts the better because like I always say and like I always teach my my medical students and my younger doctors, between normal and abnormal is a continuum and this continuum can exist at any degree so what a particular subculture may look at as normal, may not necessarily be what is acceptable in other cultures. So it's important to note this. But that said, when people are suffering with significant or severe mental disorders, it is evident, irrespective of the culture where they are presenting, that the symptoms and the signs collectively together amount to a a significant mental disorder. It's just important to note that. Okay. So going back to uh, my introduction, in the past, patients were always discouraged from talking about paranoid experiences. But more recently, it is always recommended that patients are given time to talk about these experiences because there are cognitive behavioral techniques that can help to reduce associated distress with the experiences so the next question you'll ask me is what is paranoia what is paranoid thoughts what is suspicious thoughts what would amount to you know psychosis or mental disorder and what would not I'll just mention very quickly that paranoid or persecutory delusions are a subtype of delusional beliefs. And delusional beliefs, if I may define that, they are rigidly held beliefs which are out of keeping with the socio cultural background of the individual. They are so held with conviction that it affects the way this individual responds to their environment, how they feel, or the kind of emotions that they experience. And oftentimes they are distressing to the sufferers and they could be distressing to their families, their close family members. So in clinical settings, by the time a patient is coming to me, oftentimes it's because the beliefs have started to interfere with their everyday functioning and it is severe enough to affect their ability to actually engage with everyday productive activities like work. The reason why this is, is over time, when these persecutory and paranoid thoughts persist, they interfere with the attention, they interfere with other cognitive processes happening in the brain. In other words they just consume the individual so much so that they are so distressed and so fixed on this and nothing else seems to matter and it drives their behavior it drives you know um the, the way they, 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 they their emotions it drives their feelings and it affects their interactions with other people and Another important thing is because of maybe the way people other people um you know either dismiss or respond to them they begin to isolate themselves and this is a very 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 important aspect of paranoid and suspicious thinking or paranoid and suspicious thoughts the isolation is not good because what that then does is it then gives them more time to just focus on these thoughts and remember what the scriptures say in proverbs 23 and verse 7 as a man thinketh in his heart so is he the more they think of these things the more it consumes them it more drives their behavior so irrationally that you know their behavior and the way they interact with the external world is colored by this paranoid thinking so what tends to happen is that in a self-referential way they interpret everything that is happening in their environment for example they could begin to tell you that oh well um they need to be on guard against other people Or people are being hostile towards them, or strangers or friends look at them in a critical way. You know, I mean, and you're wondering, hold on a second, you know, is there any evidence, you know, to support this? They may tell you, well, it doesn't make any difference. That's how they believe, and it drives their behavior. They may avoid certain streets because they think that you know the way people look at them. They you know the, the people may know things about them, or the people may even know the things they are thinking about, which begin to explore other symptoms in 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 um, in, uh, in in psychosis. Anyhow, like I said, it could just be thoughts, but when these are getting stronger and stronger and affecting and blurring every aspect of the individual's everyday living, then it begins to consume them in such a way that it borders on psychosis. So for psychosis to happen, there are two main core elements that we look at. Abnormalities in the perception of the individual. In other words, The patients may experience perception through their senses when there isn't any stimuli in their environment. What does that mean? They can tell you that they're hearing voices. Meanwhile, other people within the same geographical environment as them cannot hear those voices or they're seeing things other people cannot see. So they experience perceptions without the evidence of a stimuli in the objective space. And when they say in the objective space like that, as in, in other words, people who are standing beside them, who are close to them, cannot see or experience the kind of perceptions that they are reporting. So these are the in and perception. They are psychotic elements. When somebody's you know complain like that, encourage them to seek for professional help. They need to be seeing their doctor as soon as possible. In some other cases, it may not be perception perceptual abnormalities, it could be in their thinking, like we talked about paranoid thinking, we talked about persecutory thinking and then we talked about delusions because those are variants of delusional beliefs and like I mentioned earlier, delusions are fixed, rigidly held beliefs that are out of keeping with the social cultural background of the individual and they drive. The behavior, the drive, the feelings, the drive, the emotions, and oftentimes they are distressing to the individual, and they can be distressing also to the family. So, in terms of um, in terms of what can be done to help, um, there are there are various techniques that can help, um, depending again on the level at which this symptoms are driving the individual. Do they pose mild threat, moderate threat or severe threat to the individual or to people around them that will judge on what intervention needs to be put in place. Um, In terms of um, looking at what kind of thoughts anchor these beliefs, these delusional beliefs. If it is just mere persecutory thoughts every now and then it could just be that you know there are social evaluative concerns you know there are fears of rejection feeling of vulnerability thoughts that the world is potentially dangerous which can i mean which can be valid if you if you listen to the news every day the kind of negative news that comes out you know from media can influence people's thinking, you know, to begin to think in a self referential way, like that, and then it can move on to ideas of reference where people talking about the individual or that they feel that they are being watched. You know, again, it's a biased way of viewing people's interactions with them because they kind of um, putting themselves in the core. Um, position of reference as to everything that is happening around them somebody looks at them so why did that person look at me like the way they looked at me you know well it could just be an course, you know glance or maybe you know they're admiring their looks or something but you know they never give any other rational alternatives to excuse people for um, their actions okay so then it moves progresses on to um the levels of mild threat. When there is mild threat like that, people trying to cause minor distresses such as irritation, you know, they become really sensitive. I mean, people who have persecutization and paranoia, you may have them in your family. You tend to walk on eggshells around them, you know, um, because, you know, when you say something, it's kind of misinterpreted in, in a different way. And you're wondering, oh, but, but I didn't mean it that way. You know, but, but yes, anyhow, <laughs> and that can be at various degrees. Like I said, you know, it could be of moderate threat. It could be of, you know, very severe threat where they kind of think that, you know, they need to actually carry weapons around with them to protect themselves from other people. I mean, these are serious issues. Like I said, these are core beliefs that are fixed Rigidly held by the individual and the drive behavior. I mean, you 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 hear on the news um, of uh, people with severe mental illness who have um, um, engaged in um, acts of harm against other people in the society, against their family, just because of the fact that these behaviors are driven from delusions. It's important to kind of differentiate this from anxiety and anxious thinking. Whilst anxiety uh, may be important in, in the generation of these persecutory thoughts, it is different from it. Because anxiety and suspiciousness they have the same cognitive theme of anticipating danger. So there is an anticipation of danger. And when they have thoughts anticipating danger like that, that then affects the feelings they experience, the emotions they experience, the distress they experience, and how the whole body begins to go into an overdrive but in the case of persecutory ideation it is more in the thinking which is um which is um kind of slightly different anxiety plays a central role in the interpretation of the internal and the external events and provides the threat theme of paranoia. The emotion has a direct role in the delusion formation. And this is in contrast to the popular view that delusions conceal emotional distress or low self-esteem. There was a Um, a podcast that I did on self-esteem, you can see that all of these things kind of flow in with one another. The thinking affecting the feelings, affecting the emotions, affecting the sense of evaluation of oneself, the sense of evaluation of other people and the threat that other people or situations impose to them as individuals. So typically, uh, in paranoid thinking, a person having unusual experiences find it hard to identify and correctly label interpretations that line up with their emotional states. So if they are anxious, it is more likely that the interpretation will be of a threat. A threat to them. Okay? So anxious thoughts are truly persecutory when they contain the idea that harm is actually intended by the perpetrator. Do you see that? While anxiety is just driving out, it's, it's just, oh, anticipation of danger. But in the case of the persecutory thing, it is a thought, they they, they are convinced beyond just the thought. They are convinced of the actions of this individual. And that's why sometimes they actually carry weapons with them to protect themselves. So it's very, very important. Like I said, that's why you need to seek professional help um, sooner rather than later. Okay. I'm kind of mindful of the time. Uh, We're nearly towards the end of these, um, of these um, podcasts. But it's important to note that the triggers can be major life events. It could be ongoing stress. It could be sleep disturbances. Very important sleep disturbances. It could be major trauma. It could be, you know, born out of taking drugs. But the important thing is that these produce internal and external events. There's an internal arousal. And they are core cognitive, dysfunctional thoughts. Then the external events could be discrepant or negative or socially significant or ambiguous events that have happened. And all of these will drive the search for meaning to understand, worrying, the rumination, not wanting to talk to others, having nobody to provide feedback on their ideas, for example, will go into producing these delusional beliefs. These are the strong, rigidly held beliefs that are out of keeping with their sociocultural background. And they're usually out of reasoning. You know, you can't, they jump into conclusions. There is oftentimes, you know, no rational explanation can convince them otherwise and the emotions and associated processes are such that they are distressing to the individual because they affect the beliefs they hold about themselves, the beliefs they they hold about other people and the beliefs they they hold about the world and the future. So these are the core things that happen in, in the development of a delusion. So very, very quickly, like I said, it is a con- there is a continuum here from normal to abnormal. too, so people can present at various stages within this continuum. It is important to know where this individual lies and then know how to um, um, prepare interventions to, to meet them at the point of their need. So the general strategy for trying to understand this um, paranoia and, 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 and delusional thinking is to understand first in an empathic way the context in which these beliefs have come about, and then in a collaborative way, you know, to, to, to discuss with the individual to understand where they're coming from, to understand what is of importance, what is of emotional resonance to them, to use those in helping them know that you understand them and offering them approaches that can help them. So like I said earlier on in um, various um, 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 podcasts on um, CBT, we, we identify this, these schemas and then we try and tailor the approaches that will meet them at the point of their need. It is important to know that at every stage of development, CBT for delusions is not just a brief treatment. It is an ongoing treatment and will need the supervision of a professional. So I will stop there. And the important thing I will say is always measure your thoughts against scriptures. And the scripture for meditation this week will be Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Please do try and read that scripture from various versions of the Bible and pause to think about it. How are your thoughts measuring against this scripture? If they are measuring against it in a positive way, yay, you're having healthy thoughts. If not, then you need to be capturing those thoughts and dealing with them appropriately. Like I always say, it's your choice to enjoy life no matter what. Do make sure you do your homework, meditate on the scripture, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. And there are other scriptures that we need to look at, but for this week, that is a scripture of reference. Take care and God bless you. Bye-bye.